Go to the book of Proverbs with me this morning. We're going to read our key verse. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Everyone say amen when you're there. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The NLT says it like this, above all else guard your heart. Because it affects everything that you do. Amen. So we're going to continue on this morning with our series, Cross My Heart. Last week we spoke about guilt, amen, and we'll talk a bit more about that. But, but let me start with a scenario. I want you to imagine that you're driving your car. You're driving down the road, maybe doing about 60 kilometers an hour. And as you're driving, you look up. Because something catches your eye out of the corner of your eye. And there is a giant spider sitting on your sun visor inches from your head. What do you do? What would you do? Scream? What else would we do? Stop? Yeah. Jump out of the car. Get a match. Blow your car up. (laughs) Thank the Lord that solved that problem. What about if you were driving along, minding your business down the road, and you heard a weird sound come from your engine, and you didn't know what it was, so you pulled over, and you opened the bonnet, and inside there was a giant snake that had wrapped itself around your engine. What would you do? (laughs) Push my car off the wharf. Time to get a new car. (laughs) Amen. Would you just be... Looking at the snake and go, oh, that's all right. Shut the bonnet, jump back in your car and keep driving. Would you look at the spider sitting there and go, pat the spider. It's okay, little spider, welcome. Glad you're here today. Let's just keep driving. No, of course you wouldn't, right? You would want to stop the car. You'd want to get out. There's been accidents caused because people have just been driving down the road, seen a spider. I'm getting out of the car right now. I'm not even stopping, right? Scary stuff, right? But, but here's the thing. In that kind of situation, we would always deal with that spider. We would deal with that snake. We would not just leave it there. But the thing is, is when you think spiritually, so often we have things that get stuck in our heart. Problems that have developed in our heart. Attitudes and anger and issues and spiritual heart disease. And for years, we do nothing about it. We leave it there. We ignore it. We don't take any steps to correct it. We don't worry about it. Proverbs tells us that we are to guard our heart because it affects everything that we do. We tend to treat the symptoms, amen, that stem from an unhealthy spiritual heart while we ignore the deeper issues. But as we've said in the last few weeks, as is the case with the physical heart, eventually the root problem becomes the real problem when you allow your heart to remain diseased. And just like a heart attack destroys your body, a spiritual heart disease will eventually destroy you and it will destroy the ones that you love 
the most. Someone say amen. amen. So we're going to continue today studying this, this thought about guarding our heart. But how to protect our heart from the things that the enemy would put in there, from the things that the world would put in there to distract us and to turn us away from the things of God. Amen. Each one of these comes from an imbalance that's created through what we introduced last week, this idea of a, a debt-debtor relationship. Right? If I walk into the same room as Brother Stan and, and Brother Stan owns, owes me $200, when he shakes my hand, it's always a little bit awkward, isn't it? Because I want my money back, and he doesn't have it, right? And it so creates that awkwardness where, you know, I don't really want to talk to you because, you know, there's something in my heart that's not right. There's an imbalance there, amen? So last week, we talked about guilt, right? And guilt says that I owe you. Right? We feel guilty because of the things that we've done. I owe you. And we, because we, we can't pay it back, we hold on to it and we feel bad and we feel like we've let ourselves down and we've let everyone else around us down and that, that weight gets carried through the rest of, the life, of our life until we learn to not carry that guilt anymore. Guilt says, I owe you. And that was code blue. Today, we're going to talk about code red. And it works in the opposite direction to guilt. Guilt says, I owe you, but anger says, you owe me. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to the book of Ephesians. We're going to spend some time in Ephesians chapter 4 today. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Everyone say amen when you're there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Be ye angry. For some of us, that could be our life verse, couldn't it? Who here has ever had a problem with anger? Right? If we're being honest, I think most of us would say it. we've had problems with anger in the past. Here's the thing. The problem is not getting angry. It is carrying that anger into our relationships. The commandment here is not, don't be angry. This verse does not deal with how you feel. It deals with what you do. Amen. Think about it. It says, be ye angry and sin not. It doesn't say, don't be angry. You're allowed to be angry as long as there's not sin. As long as you're not using that anger to cause you to sin. Amen. And think about it. When the Apostle Paul wrote this passage of Scripture, does anyone know where he was at the time? Exactly. The Apostle Paul wrote this passage of Scripture while sitting in a prison. He was not put in the prison fairly. He did not have a fair trial because he was a Roman citizen. He was not there because he deserved to be there. But he was unjustly, unfairly dumped into prison 
for preaching the gospel. Amen. And so he had been treated unjustly. And in writing this passage, be ye angry and sin not. What he is saying is that anger is not a situation of circumstance. It's not part of your circumstance. It has to do with your heart. Because we can be angry in circumstances, and that's not what Paul is talking about. He's talking about anger that gets into our heart and begins to grow in our heart and begins to, to take root in our heart. Amen. Anger is a result of not getting what I want or what I deserve or what I feel I deserve from others. You owe me. You stole my reputation. You stole my purity. You stole my childhood years. You owe me a friendship. You owe me a happy marriage. You owe me a second chance. And as we begin to run down the list in our minds of everybody who has ever owed us, anger begins to build up. And the problem is, is that we hold on to it. And it begins to grow and it begins to cause our heart to begin to Right. And it's easy to believe that the remedy for anger is payback. After all, people ought to pay what they owe, right? But here's the problem. So often you and I spend so much of our lives waiting for debts to be paid that actually can't be paid. A word that was spoken perhaps unjustly. Something that was said that shouldn't have been said. An action that was taken. And we hold on to that debt because they owe me. And there is nothing they can do to pay that debt. And here is the problem is that when you allow that anger to get settled in your heart, and when it begins to grow and begins to build, you start not just holding anger against that person, but that anger begins to affect everybody. You think everybody owes you. You think your work owes you. You think the government owes you. You think everyone you meet, they owe you owe me because you've got anger. And over time, you even begin to forget where was this original cause for the anger. And you just become an angry person, constantly bitter constantly annoyed, constantly frustrated at people. Every little thing can set you off. That's why anger leaves a trail of destruction in its wake. Because an angry person approaches life and approaches every relationship looking to be paid back. I want to be paid back. You owe me. You owe me. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath means to carry your anger as short a time as possible. Don't carry anger from one relationship into another. Don't carry anger from one season of life into another. Let, that, let the sun set on that painful season in your life because it will affect everything that goes forward if you don't get rid of it. Here's the thing as we read on in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, I'll read it again. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. When you allow anger 
to settle in your heart, when you refuse to forgive, when you refuse to close an account, when you refuse to cancel someone's debt, that anger begins to grow. And what you actually do is open up your heart and open up your life to the influence of the devil. He's the one who rejoices in the fact that you can't get over something. He's the one who rejoices in the fact that you are opening up your life to him and allowing him to come in through your anger. You open up the door of your heart to the accuser to have an influence in your life. Anger is an open account. Remember talking about a debt, a debtor relationship. It's an open account that is in your heart. Right? Have you ever had an overdrawn account before? You ever owed anyone money before? You ever had debt collectors call you? You know, I get phone calls for a Mr. Hasib on my phone. Every single week almost, I'll get a text message. I'll get a phone call. Hello, I'm looking for Mr. Hasib. This is debt collecting. I am not Mr. Hasib. Mr. Hasib does not have this number. He has given you the wrong number. A week later, they ring again. I have answered the call. A hundred times, 150 times, and told them 150 times, this is not Mr. Hasib's number. But they keep calling. They keep calling. They keep calling. Why? Because it's lodged. There's an open account there that says he still owes them money. So I'm going to keep chasing them until he pays it back. Amen. And, and anger is like this. It's like an open account where someone owes you and you have to keep chasing it, keep chasing it, keep chasing it, keep chasing it. And, and not only do you keep chasing it with that person, but you begin to chase it with other people as well. Because you figure if, if Brother Kenneth owes me a hundred bucks and he doesn't pay me back, well, I'm going to go see Sister Linda and hunt her down for a hundred bucks because they're related, Right. And she's going to go see him. But here's the thing. Anger does that. And when someone offends us and we let that anger get lodged in our heart, we begin to hunt everybody else. We begin to assume that everybody else is out to get us. Everybody else wants to take us down. And we be angry and we become an angry person. It's an open account. And like I said earlier, the problem is, is that most of the time we forget what the original source of our anger is, and we turn it on to others. But here's the problem. I can't help Mr. Hasib. I'm not going to pay his debt for me, for him. It's not my debt to pay. Amen? But here's the thing. When we get angry and we have an open account with someone and we begin to turn that anger on to others, they can't help us. They can't close the account. They can't say, I'm sorry on behalf of someone else. But instead... They be, you begin to owe them. And then guilt begins to form because you know that I shouldn't have spoken to that person like that. They didn't, they didn't mean what they said. And, 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 and I'm not really angry with them. I'm angry with them. But it overflows and begins to affect, amen? It's like, you know, you're accidentally bumping up against old wounds and you explode. Have you ever met those people that just explode? You just say one thing wrong and kaboom. And you're like, whoa, man, all I asked was, what's the weather like? Amen? That's why the closer you get to someone who is angry, the more likely it is that you will get dumped on, if I could put it like that, for no reason whatsoever. Amen? It's why you can't please an angry person, even if you are not the original cause of their anger, because they can't let you get it right. Amen? Because if you get it right, 
they lose their excuse to complain about life. To complain, it's not fair. You don't know what I've been through. Oh, my life is so hard. And if anyone does something right by them, they still think it's wrong because they don't want to lose an opportunity to complain. Anger. If you feel compelled to excuse or defend your attitude, if you feel compelled to tell your side of the story, you're an angry person. Amen. I said this right at the beginning. Remember when we first started looking at this series, I said all along, this is going to be really uncomfortable because we're looking inside. We like looking outside. We like looking at things. But when we actually turn the spotlight of God's spirit onto our life, we don't like that so much, do we? You see, we like our tale of woe. Because we feel like it forces people to cut us some slack. It explains our tendencies to overreact, to to say cutting things, to lash out, to be moody. Here's the thing. We like to think that our anger doesn't just explain our behavior, but it justifies our behavior. But you're wrong. Your anger is actually nothing more than a crutch. Here's why. Because so often you've held on to something for so long that you're using it as a crutch to nurse an old injury that should have been healed many years ago. But you refuse to close the account. You refuse to cancel the debt. You refuse to turn around and go, I know you owe me, but don't worry about it. And so you hang on to it and it becomes a crutch. Amen. Anger hides in the dark corners of our heart with its actual causes unexplained and unidentified. Why? Because our real story loses potency when it's exposed to the light. Our real story, you just don't know what they've done to me. And when someone actually says, well, let, tell me. No, I don't want to. I don't want to plead it. Why? Because you realize how stupid it sounds that you've held on to anger for that long over something like that. Right? It grows unexplained. We don't like to talk. We just like to harbor it and hide it in our heart. Amen? Reading on in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, Paul writes, and don't forget, he's writing this in prison, right? He's writing this from prison. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Paul lists every single relational wedge. You know, see what I mean by a wedge, something that drives a relationship apart. He lists them all saying, clean out the garbage in your heart. Close the account on your anger. Don't hold on to the debt any longer. Let me ask you a question. You go to the doctor on Monday, tomorrow. You sit down with the doctor and the doctor says, look, I've got really bad news. You've been diagnosed with cancer. Your question is not going to be, oh, wow, that's terrible, doc. How did I get that? I wonder what I did. I wonder if it was too much mobile phone use. I wonder if it was because, you know, I grew up as a child next to the, um, the big power poles. I wonder if it was because I had an asbestos. You're not going to care two hoots how you got it. What you want to know is, how do I get rid of it? What do I need to do to change the diagnosis that says I'm not going to die, right? Here is the thing. 
That's the way it's got to be with our anger. We don't need to be concerned necessarily about who offended me. Why did they offend me? How did I get angry? Why did this happen? What we need to be doing is go, how do I get rid of this? How do I offload this anger so it's not bothering me anymore? So it's not growing in my heart and causing my heart to be sick. Amen. The issue is not who is responsible. The issue is how do you get rid of the anger in your heart? And here is the answer. The only cure for anger is forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. Forgiveness closes the account. Forgiveness shuts the door. Forgiveness cancels the debt. Forgiveness breaks the power of anger. And you know, I've had this discussion before. And, and you know, I, I, I think it's one of the most overrated statements in the English language when someone says, but it's not fair. I get it. It's not fair. But I'll let them off the hook. Yes, you'll let them off the hook. But they owe me. Yeah, but that's okay. They don't owe you anymore when you forgive them. But don't you realize, Pastor, it's not fair what they did to me. I know. I get it. It's not fair. I know it's not fair. Amen. But here is the thing. When you forgive someone, it bypasses fairness. It overlooks payback. It skips resolving it. And what about this one? But I just want to tell my side of the story. Your side of the story doesn't matter if it is helping you harbor anger in your heart. Forgiveness refuses to tell your side of the story. Amen. Forgiveness is the best and the only option because remember, they can't pay you back anyway. Amen. And so forgiveness is the way to cure anger. Reading on in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, Paul writes and says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, what? Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. When I cancel the debt, I decide... That you don't owe me anymore. That's what it means to forgive. And that's hard. And it's not fair. And it's not right. And I get that. But when you're sitting there with anger in your heart. And you're holding grudges and holding bitterness against someone. Remember that what happened to Jesus wasn't fair either. He wrote the book on what's not fair. He didn't deserve to go to the cross. He didn't deserve to die. He didn't deserve to pay the price for your sins and my sins. But he did it so he could purchase forgiveness for us. Amen. And so when we forgive, we cancel the debt. and It's hard and I get it. But that's the answer is we need to look at, at what did Jesus do for me? And all of a sudden it's like, well, home, tell me your story again. Why are you offended? Why are you holding on to grudges? Why are you allowing anger to rule your life? Look what Jesus went through for you. Amen. Is this making sense this morning? Because if God can close the account on me, when I owed a debt that I was never going to be able to pay back, if God can turn around and say, I forgive you. You don't owe me anymore. Why can't I turn around and offer that same forgiveness? 
to someone else. If God can close my account, if God can write off what I owe Him, why can't I write off what other people owe me? Yes, life has been unfair. And people have been unfair. And if we listen to your story long enough, we might even be tempted to join your crusade. Amen. And say, well, this is not fair. Look what they did to that person. Amen. And Paul could have, and maybe perhaps even should have felt that way, locked up in a jail unjustly. Don't you know that I don't deserve to be here? Don't you know that I am a Roman citizen? Don't you know I deserve a fair trial? No, instead he wrote, be angry, but, but don't sin. Watch what you do. Don't allow that anger to get down and grow into the depths of your heart. The bottom line is, is that you can choose to be a victim. And I think many times that's what we do. We choose to be a victim. We choose to allow that anger to hit around because we like to feel like we're victims. But here's the truth. Victims are powerless. Victims always have an excuse. Victims have no control over their lives or over their feelings. Victims are at the mercy of others. Victims can only react. Victims are held prisoner by their circumstance. And in time, if we hold on to that mentality, if we hold on to that anger, we begin to feel like, well, you know what? It's okay to be angry. That's just who I am as a person. That's just me. That's just my personality type. That's just, this is just me as me as who I am. But that's not true. That's a lie. Amen. We can choose to be a victor instead of a victim. That's the truth of the matter. And what we need to do <clears throat> is we need to identify who are you really angry with? Maybe you need to look back a few seasons in your life. Maybe you've been holding on to anger for a long time. You know, I've told you my story before with with the, the, the grudge that I held for a long time against a friend of mine, another young man in the church. And I held on to it for years. And it wasn't until I decided, I'm just going to cancel the fact that you owe me. I had to go to him and repent for my attitude as well because you know, God spoke to me and said the sin that I was committing by holding on to this grudge for so long was far greater than anything he'd ever done to me. But I had to go, you know what? I'm not going to hold you responsible anymore. I'm going to cancel the debt. What you did wasn't right. I get that. But it's okay. What you did wasn't fair. But that's okay. I'm going to cancel the debt. Amen. Identify who you are really angry with. Decide what was taken from you. What did they take from you? Did they take your dignity? Did they take your pride? Maybe they actually stole from you. Decide what they took from you. And then cancel the debt. Just decide. I'm, I'm not going to hold that against them anymore. I'm going to cancel the debt. And, and some, people, some people like to do symbolic things. Some people, <clears throat> some people write down what the other people owe them on a piece of paper. And then take it down to the backyard and whoosh, light a match and burn it. Like, you know, symbolically, I'm getting rid of the debt. You know, other people like write it down on a piece of paper, dig a hole in the backyard and bury it. You know, there's different things you can do if you want to do something symbolically. I've, I've never done anything like that. I've just gone, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to that anymore. I'm going to let it go. Amen. And then stay in the habit of canceling all debts from this point forward. Here's the thing. In case you didn't realize, the church is not perfect. 
Newsflash. It's not. It's full of unperfect people, full of people who are broken, right? But people who love God. And we're going to offend one another. You know, I'm, I'm going to upset brother. I'm just waiting till I upset Brother Matthew. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know what I mean? We are going to offend one another. We are going to say things that hurt one another's feelings. We are going to do things that upset each other. If you're in relationship at home, in a, in a family situation, if you've got brothers, you've got sisters, you are going to hurt one another. Man, I threw rocks at my brother's head. You're going to upset one another. Now, we were only playing. It wasn't in anger. Okay. Husbands, wives, you're going to have fights. You're going to have arguments. It's going to happen. But you need to get into the habit of saying, I'm not going to just hold on to this forever. I'm going to cancel the debt. You know what? What you said to me was not right. But you know what? You don't have to say that to them. You say it to yourself. You know what? What, they, what my husband just said to me, that was so hurtful and it wasn't right. But you know what? I'm just going to forgive it. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to hold on to it. Because the reverse in a marriage situation, let me talk a little bit about marriage here, you know, is when you're in the middle of an argument with your wife or your husband, and I know you guys don't say all this because you're all holy and sanctified, but, but either the wife or the husband turns around and says, well, I remember three and a half years ago when you did blah, 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 blah. Hello? Amen? Learn to forgive. Learn to just let it go. Just forgive one another. This is what Paul is saying. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And we need to stay in that habit moving forward. Why don't we all stand this morning? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells the story of two debtor relationships. In the first, a servant with a debt of several million dollars is totally forgiven by the king. The king says, you owe me. He falls on his knees before the king and said, have mercy on me. I can't pay it back. He said, no, sell his family, sell his kids, sell his house, sell his car, sell his dog, sell his goldfish, sell everything to pay back the debt. And he says, no, I can't do that. I need my family. I, I can't pay you back, but I will have patience. The king turns around and goes, I'll tell you what, I'll just cancel it. Don't worry about it. Don't pay back his cent. It's all good. Go and have a good life. Man, I would leave the presence of the king feeling like a million bucks. I'd feel incredible. You know, you ever have those moments in life where your feet just feel light, like you could just dance down the street? That's how I would feel. But here's the thing. That servant who had just been forgiven so much turns around and finds somebody who owes him just a couple of thousand bucks. Not that much in the grand scheme of things. And, and the second guy turns to the first guy and says, please forgive me. Please, I'll pay you back. Just let me, let me, just give me some more time. And he says, no, no time. And he chucks this guy into jail. But here's the thing. As a result of that action, the first debtor is placed back under the bondage of his original Sin, his original account, sorry. And Jesus says that's what God will do if you refuse to close the account with those who owe you. We are to forgive or you will pay dearly. If you demand payment, 
you will pay. And here is the thing. To refuse forgiveness is to choose self-destruction. But if you cancel the debt, you will be set free along with the debtor. Both of you will be free. There might be some feelings that remain for a while because you know we hurt one another. And those feelings don't necessarily disappear right away. But we decide, I'm going to cancel the debt. So my question for you is how long are you going to be willing to keep the account open? You have every right to remain angry. You have every right to allow that to sit in your heart. But do you really want to? Is that really the best way to live? You don't have to let your past control your present or control your future. And so we need to throw away the crutch of anger. We need to allow God to take it out of our heart. Say, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to that debt anymore. I'm not going to hold on to that grudge. I'm not going to hold on to that unforgiveness. I'm not going to allow it to harbor in my heart. So my question is for you today. How's your heart? How's your heart? Are you holding on to grudges? Are you holding on to unforgiveness? Are you holding on to anger against someone who has said something or done something that you have disagreed with. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? I feel the presence of the Lord here. Just lift our hands. Let's just talk to the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Precious Jesus, precious Jesus.